Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys. I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. So today's episode takes us to a pretty controversial home at 1677 Round Top Road in Harrisville, Rhode Island. This colonial house was built in 1736. It has withstood countless storms, historical events like the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and the Industrial Age. Many families have come and gone out of this home. You may have heard of this property. A movie was made about it in 2013 called... Wait a second. A controversial house in Rhode Island, you say? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, I don't have any guesses, uh, but (laughs) I'm trying to think what's controversial. Is it like uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose or something? It's not, but you're hovering in the right category. Oh, gross. What is it? It is The Conjuring House. Oh, no! I'm sweating. (laughs) This movie grossed $41.5 million in its first weekend and over $137 million overall and was the third highest grossing box office record in horror film behind Paranormal Activity, which came out in 2011, and Hannibal in 2001. Uh, Hannibal I can handle, but uh, Paranormal Activity was... A little too realistic to me, and Conjuring, very well done, great actors, uh, but I can't sit through it without covering my eyes. I I really don't like uh, demonic possession stuff, so I'm really scared to find out what this whole thing... I'm kind of with you there. You know my morbid curiosity. I have to watch it. I love the Conjuring movies. Really, part one, I I thought was the best. I wasn't... I was... I was okay with uh, part two. Casey and the kids really liked that one. Part three, not really a fan. But yes, I I love all those movies. But uh, Paranormal Activity? Okay, the people who think that movie wasn't scary, I don't know what's wrong with them because that felt real. Yeah, that felt way too real. I felt like it was my house and I'm watching those cameras. Yeah, no, I, I felt the exact same way. And I was thinking, like, if anybody hovers over me and watches me sleep, I mean, they're getting kicked in the teeth. Oh, my gosh. That that really freaked me out in those movies. Yeah, I feel like people that don't get scared of that, I mean, they really just don't believe that's possible, which I, I can understand. But I'm so scared of it. I feel like I'm inviting demons into my life if I, am, if I watch stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I'm opening a portal just by watching a movie. So I don't feel that by watching the movie, but it does make me hypersensitive to, like, things I say. I'm gonna, you know, actually, you know, I tattooed a cross on my neck. No, I, I didn't tattoo it myself, but... Did a demon? One of the... No. <laughs> one just appeared on a your gentleman neck. In, a gentleman in San Marcos tattooed it on my neck. <laughs> but part of that was because I felt like it just kept me safer, just having it on my skin. So it's not like... I got to get my silver and hold my cross to keep the demons away. But if I have this cross on my neck, nothing's going to want to, like, take over my body. Knock, knock on wood, I hope. That that, well, I'm just going to keep praying the devil away. Yeah, I say keep doing that. But also, just by you saying that, I feel like my bare naked skin, because I don't have any tattoos. Now, I'm, I'm... You're susceptible, Lainey. Thanks a lot, big sister. <laughs> you were Thank invited you. to go get tattoos with us. You didn't want one, so... That's on you. Yeah, yeah. Could have saved your life. 
All right, so a little backstory here on this property. This is one of the famous properties investigated by Ed and Lorraine Warren. They uh, were famous paranormal investigators and demonologists that investigated the Amityville home. They are the ones that also have the Annabelle doll, which is a real, you know, that movie's based on true events. That whole story is not true. Um, and the anima- the real Annabelle doll is much less scary than the one in the movie. So, so the- Annabelle's real? Do you think Chucky's real? No. Was it like... Did they come up with Chucky because of the animal doll? I that's a really good question actually, and I have no idea. But yeah, that one is a serial killer went into Chucky's body. Yeah, um, but I I it happens all the time. But Annabelle wasn't a serial killer; it, it was um, a demon. So okay, well, don't so buy dolls, y'all. Maybe it was loosely inspired because I think that the Annabelle doll. I think that was maybe the 1970s, and then Chucky did come out after the 70s. So. Okay. So um, Ed and Lorraine's beginnings are pretty interesting. They're Roman Catholics. They married in 1945 when Ed was on leave from World War II. They had a daughter named Judy not long after his final return from the war. When Ed was home, they made their living as artists. Primarily, they painted landscapes. Ed became interested in haunted houses, believing himself to have grown up in a haunted house himself. Uh, He said that he used to have dreams of deceased relatives that he'd never met and would tell him things about the future. That's really cool that they were both artists, though. I didn't know that. To, yeah, to find each other and both have that talent, because... Yeah, you have that creative talent, and and then, you know, we know what they end up doing. Uh, so that's just, that's wild. Mm-hmm. I wonder if their kid has artistic capabilities or can feel spirits and things like that. We will talk a little bit about that, actually. Lovely. Lorraine was clairvoyant, but didn't realize until she, till she was 12 years old that she had a skill that not everybody else had. Uh, Ed would skim the newspaper for articles about haunted homes in the New England area, and then they'd travel there and offer to paint the house only in exchange for the story about the home, so they wouldn't ask for payment. So let me clarify. Ed and Lorraine did not go to paint their house, like to paint the exterior of the house. They went to paint a painting of the house. That's definitely what I was thinking. Like, we'll go pick up the paint. We'll paint your walls for you. We know you yeah. uh, need a little refresher. Yeah, no, that's... Sorry. Sorry. Classic misunderstanding. Not what I meant. Uh, so, yes, they wanted to know the story about the house, and this is how they literally would get their foot in the door. Wait, wait, wait. What if someone came to your door and said, hey, can I paint a picture of your house? What if that be really weird? That would be super weird. Uh, yeah. If they're standing outside my house and they <laughs> wanted to paint it, I guess that would be okay. But that just brings me back to the Watcher episode. Like, it, it why does. do you want to paint my house? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. In 2023, don't go up to people. No one even likes you coming to their door. Yeah. Much less to be like, hey, can I just sit in your front yard and paint your house? Sure. Why not? I'll bring you some lemonade. Yeah. Like, I have a a pretty ordinary looking house. So, I mean, I just... That would be kind of weird. If I lived in, like, a very unique mansion, Victorian home or something like that, then I I think that would make more sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I think we just live in a much more suspicious headspace, too. Like, what's your end game? Why do you want to paint my house? Yeah. Why are you trying to kill me? Everyone's out to kill each other. (laughs) It's 2023. Um, So with uh, Lorraine's ability to see things others couldn't, this propelled them into their investigation and demonology. They began giving lectures and fancied themselves as educators in the occult. Now established as the experts in the New England area, 
they started getting called out for paranormal investigations. They never charged anyone fees of any kind to come in their home for their services, but they did, however, want to license the rights to the stories for their lectures, films, and books. So this Cape Cod-style home, according to Zillow, it's 3,109 square feet on now 8.36 acres. It's been parceled out many times. It definitely started out much bigger. It has three beds and one and a half baths and four fireplaces. Can you explain what Cape Cod-style home means? I'm not... What does that mean? um, Oh, gosh. It's a particular look that's... So like a beachy house? Uh, that That is kind of where that comes from. Here, I'm going to look it up for you. Cape Cod reminds me of the movie Splash. Um, Single-story homes with low and broad rectangular profile, a central chimney, and pitched side ga- uh, gabled roof. Okay. Did you see a picture of this particular house? Uh, no, but I can definitely look it up. Um, I mean, you will see a picture of it, but uh, it, it has a very particular look. I, I do see most of them in the one stories. Sometimes you see those uh, like dormers there that look like it could be a second story. Sometimes it's from the attic. Sometimes it is a second story. Oh, that's a really pretty house. Okay, so a Cape Cod house is like a farmhouse style house. Kind of, yes. Okay. It's really Because if you just say farmhouse, I kind of think of something else. Yeah, I guess. There's so many meanings for all of these, but... Yeah, I know. Um, we don't see a whole lot of the Cape Cod-style homes here. We have a lot of ranch-style houses. That's Texas for you. Yeah. So the actual home, according to Zillow, uh, was 1836. And the reason I think this says 1836, because all the other sources say 1736, I think it's because of when the tax records actually started documenting so it might it might put it at 1836 because maybe that's around the time the tax records started to begin collecting this information. A hundred years is kind of a, a lot of years to be off by. Right, to be skipping. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But 1736 is what all the other sources say. But if you go to look up this house on Zillow, because you can, because it sold not that long ago, it, it says 1836. Just know that it's, it's only a hundred years off. No big deal. No big deal. So I'll start by saying, love or hate me for it, This there is a lot of fiction that surrounds this property and a lot of mystery. What I say is what is believed as fact, because there is evidence to back it up. There is a lot of misinformation as well, because people love to tell stories, and a property dating back to 1736 may be missing evidence, because... It, it is remote Rhode Island. It's not like in a established neighborhood or anything like that. Um, not everything was documented. So do your research if you're interested in this topic. Um, we did the best we could here. So for thousands of years, the land was primarily occupied by local tribes. In 1636, Roger Williams was expelled from the Massachusetts Bay Colony for, quote, espousing freedom of religious worship and separation of church and state, end quote. He purchased this land to establish the colony of Rhode Island and Providence plantations. Roger Williams wanted wanted to deed the land to people that followed him and his teachings. He deeded this particular piece of land to the Richardson family and was originally 1,000 acres. Then it was parceled off over the next couple hundred years. So keep in mind that many things that may have happened on the property are now a part of a different piece of land now that there are only eight acres left. So just sharing the love of all the horror and demonic. Yeah, you got to spread. Spread the love. Love you, neighbors. Misery loves company. (laughs) So the property went from the Richardson family, then was deeded to the Arnold family. So it was really during this time 
You hear a lot about the Arnold family. During this time period, women had no rights to ownership of land. So it had to get deeded into different families, like being deeded to the man, basically. Um, So the Arnold family is where we see a lot of the mysterious deaths and stories that lead to the ghosts and manifestations. In 1901, Jarvis Smith drank too much and froze to death 200 feet from the farmhouse. Oh my gosh. Froze Uh, to death by mm -hmm. his house? Yep. That's so Only terrible. Only 200 feet from his house. Oh my gosh, you were so close to a, a little fireplace and yeah. some hot soup. They think basically the two people here that I'm about to talk about were just taking a break. Um, like resting on their walk to get God, back to the house. I can't imagine just being that cold outside anyways, since we are in Texas. I know. I mean, I've seen snow. I've been in cold. But to be that cold where you're like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, take a break, rest my feet, and then you freeze to death and now you're I, dead. No, I could not stop. Uh, I don't want to say watching, but like, I, well, thinking about, I should say that. I could not stop thinking about the people in Buffalo of our recent, the winter storm that came through yeah. around Christmas. Of the people that died. I mean, people died sitting in their cars for two days yeah. and they ran out of gas. The car, you know, car battery went out, whatever. People that were out walking just froze to death. That is mind boggling to me because I've just, I've, we don't have that kind of weather here. So if somebody yeah. were to tell us something like that, I, I'm not sure people here would. I, maybe they would. I don't know. I would. I would listen, but. It's, it's really hard to fathom because we worry about um, hurricanes, like losing all of our stuff, our drownings, of course, fires, tornadoes. We don't think about just being out in the cold. Like that's what it, There, nothing is causing you to die besides your body is an ice block. Yeah, it's just shutting it's crazy. down. crazy. Now, we do have people that go try and surf in the middle of hurricanes. Yes, um, those are idiot people. Not recommended. No, but <laughs> do you remember uh, our brother-in-law, um, He when he went to Australia and they had big hurricane going on over there and he did surf on gigantic that. tsunami-style waves? Oh, my gosh. Well, he lived to tell the tale. Well, that's good. So that was Jarvis Smith. Edwin Arnold died in 1903, only two years later, also from what they call exposure, uh, basically freezing to death. So an article titled Found at Last goes into detail that he had been missing for seven weeks. It appeared that he had been trying to take a shortcut back to the farmhouse and rested, never to awaken again. Those are two that we're certain of from the Arnold family, but there's also strange stories or occurrences that come back to the Arnold family. Um, WJR News said that public record shows two suicides by hanging on the property, not in the house, though. And one disputed incident, disputed because of the location, but it is a fact that it did happen. Uh, 11-year-old Prudence Arnold was raped and had her throat cut, nearly decapitating her. Oh, my goodness. Now, some say it happened in the upstairs part of the farmhouse. Others say it didn't happen at the property at all. This is the problem with she shared a last name. We know that some people think, no, it's just the same last name, but it didn't even happen on this property. Other people are like, no, it happened upstairs. So, again, you figure that out. Different sources say different things. So, Uh, so far we have uh, two frozen to death, two suicides, mm -hmm. and that poor little girl's death. I don't want to repeat. Yes. Okay. Yes. And in addition, there were also at least four drownings. Oh, so, so this place has seen some things, and if these walls could talk, they'd have a lot to say. 
So I don't know what the average amount of death is for a property that's a few hundred years old, but it seems like that's a lot of deaths. I hope that's Um, not Googleable. How creepy is that? Average amount of death. (laughs) 16.5. Yeah. In how many years, though? Like per hundred? Per 200? A hundred seems right, I guess. I don't know. To me, it seems like a lot of deaths because the deaths here that we're talking about are not natural causes. So... After the Arnold family, it was deeded to the Butterworths. And then the Kenyans. This is where the Perrin family comes in. They purchased, the Perrin family is the famous family that all the major things happen to um, and that the movie is based off of. Wait, so we just skipped the the cutest family name? Butterworth? The the Butterworths. Nothing happened with them? I don't know what happened with the Butterworths. Invented syrup or something? (sighs) Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Founder of Pancakes? <laughs> I don't know what happened to the Butterworths. All right. Well, we're going to so, assume no one died in the Butterworth family. Yeah. They were just fat and happy with their pancakes and syrup. Yeah. So then it went to the Kenyans. Then the par- the Perrin family purchased the property, which is where our ghost story starts. So one day, Carolyn Perrin saw an ad in the newspaper for the home on 1677 Round Top Road. She went to visit the home and put down a deposit while her husband, Roger, was on the road. He was a trucker. So December 1970, Roger Perrin purchased the property, which was called the Old Arnold Estate. That's pretty much the name that kind of stuck with it, even after it started passing down to the Butterworths and the Kenyans. It was still the old Arnold estate. It was a 14-room, not bedroom, 14-room rustic farmhouse on 200 acres of land by this time. So already 800 acres had already been parceled out. If they're not bedrooms, what are they? Is it one of those houses that has like a a seating room, a living room, a formal room? Yes. That's that's so weird. I never really understood that. Yeah, like you would literally count each individual space as a room not closets and stuff but like here's the dining room that's room one kitchen room two living room room three okay okay sitting room room four yeah so that's that's how they count it sometimes um and that's how a lot of like older houses they just count in total rooms not necessarily bedrooms so when the seller handed the keys to roger he said For the sake of the children, you should leave the lights on at night. Oh, hell no. Yeah. I would. (laughs) Thanks for saying that after I already put down the deposit. Here's your key back. That's why we have seller's disclosures. (laughs) Bye-bye. Sorry, I should say that on seller's disclosures. There's not really a spot for hauntings and the Texas seller's disclosure. Anyway, it actually is different per state. But anyway. Uh, This sent a shiver down Roger's spine, but hey, he had just spent a whole lot of money on this home and property for his wife and his five daughters, so he thought, let's just make the best of it. Plus, Roger was not really a big believer um, in the supernatural. So Andrea was 13. She was the oldest. She was now able to have her own room. April shared a room with her sister Cindy and Christine shared with Nancy. The day they moved in, one of the daughters said it was chaotic because the seller was actually moving out at the same time as they were moving into the home. She didn't take much notice of it at the time, but when they were bringing their things into the home, she did notice that there was a man just standing in the corner watching them. Oh my gosh, that's... Super creepy. Right. I, do, I do need to ask, though. I'm sure this does happen, that you know people are moving out the same day someone's moving in, but how do you not like mix up your stuff? I mean, were they just like saying hi and bias or walking in with boxes and they're walking out? Yeah, 
it, that seems way too chaotic for me. I mean, it, today you need to have all of your stuff out before you move in. Because uh, plus, what whatever you leave behind in the house goes to the new owners. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's creepy man in the corner staring at them. Playing referee. Yeah. You well, better not take their blender. She want <laughs> the blender. Um, I guess this didn't exist yet then, but you get what I mean. Yeah. So she thought little, little about this man standing in the corner. But when she did ask about it, she apparently was the only one that saw him and then he disappeared. So this was the first, what they consider the first ghost sighting. So according to the parent family, the haunting started almost immediately for everyone. Uh, but most encounters were not particularly scary. Most of the ghosts were actually friendly. There were a lot of things that likely come with an old house, like creeks and stuff like that. But as many owners have stated pre and post dating the parents, there are door slamming, things that go missing, which is still happening today at the property. For doors the y- are just being slammed all the time? Yeah. <sighs> That would creep me out. NBD, man. NBD. Things missing, I would just blame myself. Like, oh, Lainey, you idiot. Right, things go missing for you all the time anyway. Yeah. So it's just another so, day in the yeah. life. Yes, but a door slam would make me poop my pants. <laughs> so things flew off your shelf the other day. Did you poop your pants? Almost. That really scared the crap out of me. Um, real quick, um, Ashley and I kind of uh, went through a bunch of stuff at a house where all the belongings were kind of left behind. Um, of a house that I sold, not just a house we broke into. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I we found a bunch of silver like dinnerware, and I thought it was going to be maybe worth something. It wasn't, so I kept it. And I put it on my shelves in my uh, dining room, and they just fell off at like 1 a.m. in the morning. Like, books fell off, too. It was such a shock. Me and my dog were, you know, getting ready for bed, just kind of heavy-eyed over there. And hearing that just, that scared the crap out of me. Nothing's ever fallen off that shelf, no matter how rambunctious my giant dog is. For it to all just come crashing down, like, days after I put it up, too. Super weird. That was, I don't know what I brought inside my house. Uh, but I took all of those dishes outside, and uh, they're displayed outside on my patio in a cute, eclectic way. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I didn't, but thank you. <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> okay, so things were going missing. For Cindy, her toys frequently went missing. So one odd occurrence, and maybe from a ghost that she, that just loved to clean... Uh, There was a broom that kept moving around the house and piles of dirt were just in the middle of the room like it was recently swept. I want a cleaning ghost. We would all like a cleaning ghost. Yeah. Some of the girls actually liked the spirits. One of the ghosts was very motherly to Cindy, who was the youngest. Uh, She would come in at night and kiss her on the forehead. She often thought it was her mother, but learned that the ghost smelt of flowers and fruit while her mother smelt like ivory soap. So she knew it was not her mom, but she felt very comforted by this ghost. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> like, uh, you know it's not your mom and your I mean, I get it if you feel comfortable. Um, but if you're a kid, that might just be a comforting thing like another person just keeping you safe. Okay. Weirdo kids. But okay. <laughs> you kids are idiots. You're not my mama, but okay. <laughs> Uh, she also uh, she often spoke of a ghost named Manny who would cry out for his mother. Um, other occurrences were pictures falling off the walls, which that was a part of the movie, is that all the pictures kept falling off the walls. Um, technology then and currently seems to still be an issue. The ghosts have been known to slam down the telephones, more so landlines before there were cell phones, because slamming a cell phone is just... 
less impactful. And they are known to also, they don't like technology. They also don't like modern music. Um, around 5.15 a.m., the uh, beds would levitate and then drop. What the f***? Yeah, yep. They don't like music. Now we're going to levitating. <laughs> yeah. So oh. that, I know that was something that they were saying. So I, I guess the old, go, you know, the ghosts that have been there for 100 plus years, they don't like the modern music or the technology coming in. It's not something they ever lived with. It would be yeah, weird. I could see that. They don't like that times are changing around them and they can never change. Yeah. They also said that the unfriendly spirits were accompanied by the smell of rotting flesh. Oh, I thought you were going to say rotten eggs. Rotting flesh? Rotting flesh. So, like, rotten meat. Oh, nasty. Which is a terrible smell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't smelled human rotten flesh, but, you know, like, expired beef in the fridge smells nasty enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, ew. And just like in the movie, at 3.07 a.m., the clocks would stop each night. Uh, so the man standing in the corner when they moved in, that wasn't the last time that he'd be uh, be seen. The daughters interviewed within the last few years, actually, about that male spirit. They believed him to be evil. The girls became so frightened of him that they would go to the bathroom in threes, not even in pairs, but in threes, and were almost never alone in the house out of fear for this particular spirit. Can we name this spirit, like, Gregory? 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 Sure, but it's possible he has a name. I just don't know what it is. Gregory. Gregory for now. <laughs> sure. Old Gray. No, it has to be Joffrey. Joffrey? Yes. From Game of Thrones? Yeah. He's yeah. evil. He is very evil. So Damn. this is Joffrey. His death was epic. I hope I... this Joffrey had died a similar way. Maybe that's, Maybe why, that's so why I was going to say that might be why he's evil in the afterlife. Animals also did not like the home, which honestly, that freaks me out more because I could not trust my imagination. Like sometimes I think I could see or think something is there and dismiss it. But if my dog is growling or scared or staring, okay, now I'm on high alert because if my dog senses it too, and I have four of them and a cat, that freaks me out because now I know I'm like, okay, cool. That's not my imagination anymore. Yeah. Dogs and babies seeing stuff that we can't see is terrifying um, but it's also so fascinating like, so why can't i fascinating see it? do i, I want to see what you see my dog always like freezes in place and stares beyond me and i know i've told you before because it kind of freaks me out sometimes i'm like is, is mom behind me they're like what are you staring at <laughs> Like, please stop. Like, look away. I'll end up, like, throwing a pillow at her to move because she's just frozen in place. Yeah. And I think I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it here on the pod, but Gary, our cat at our old house, we got him when we were at our old house. And so I, and it was our first cat we've ever had. I've never had another cat. So I'm not attuned to cat behavior, but he would play with things that aren't there or like sit and pounce position with his tail, like slowly wagging and then jump at things that weren't there. And we always joked that he was playing with a ghost. And then we moved last year in October to our current house. And he has not done it one time. That's so, so weird. I swear he was playing with a ghost. Now I'm just, I feel like confirmed he was playing with a ghost. Yeah. And in your other house, it was it was built probably early 90s, right? No, uh, early 2000s. Oh, okay. My bad. But yeah, we well, know that land... It was farmland for a really long time, and yeah, who knows, maybe so Native American land. Yeah, there's so many different things could have happened there before the house was built. 
Yeah, we we did talk about Gary on the, a pod before, and just the land of the neighborhood we grew up in that you live in. Yeah. So many bodies that are underneath us. It, it's so crazy to try to think about. Well, I don't know if I'm going to say so many bodies are underneath us, but so much history is always around us. Like, things have happened. Yeah. So, animals didn't like the home. The parent dog did die shortly upon move-in and clearly did not like the house based on his actions. Uh, did Joffrey do that? I don't know if it was Joffrey. Oh, screw you, Joffrey. It was you. <laughs> he was barking a lot, staring, and then one day he had convulsions and then died. Um, this did also happen in the movie, except they are pretty good about not showing that stuff. Um, the parents also had cats that all left the property and never returned. Oh, dang. Also, similar to the movie, birds would fly into the windows and die. That's interesting. The domestic animals flee and the birds seem to be attracted to it. Yeah, and we talked about that with Huska Castle, too. What is it about these strange properties that they're, like, attracted to it? Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to look more into bird theory. Let me know what you find. I sure will. Thank you welcome (laughs) one of the freakiest parts of the movie to me is the hide and clap game oh god no (laughs) this was the game yes this was the game the girls played one day uh about six months after moving in they were playing outside and little cindy went to go hide in the barn in a box after she wasn't found for a while she decided to get out but she couldn't she said the top would not come off no matter how hard she tried joffrey sat on it Probably. She, I mean, she is convinced that something was forcing it closed um, because it was just like a box that had like a slide on top or something like that. What a horrifying feeling. Tell me about it. I would feel like I'm buried alive. I am claustrophobic. So that really freaks me out. Yeah. So she was screaming in the box for about 20 to 30 minutes before her sisters came in and removed the top like it was nothing. Cindy claims to this day something was holding the top shut. So in case you don't know what the the Clyde and Clap, hide and Clap, Clyde and Clap, hide and Clap game is, it is, it's like hide and seek, except each person has, can give up to three claps. That would, that would be one clap. And then. The seeker can ask you, clap a second time, and then you would clap again, and then you can have a third chance to do it for them to try and find you. Um, And you're blindfolded. Yeah, the seeker is blindfolded. They can't see, so they're going by sound as they're looking for you. It's a really freaky it's a really freaky game. And in the movie, they make it very scary. Especially to play in a house from the 1700s. And when you have a punk ass like Joffrey kind of screwing with all the kids and smells of rotten flesh, now you're going to play a game blindfolded, just following sound. Mm-hmm. Okay, this bird at the window is so disrespectful. It's a rude bird. Oh my god, it's going crazy. I don't know if that's being recorded or not. Well, I said I wanted to study the bird theory. They're trying to tell me. I, I just don't understand its language. Oh my god, wouldn't that be freaky if a bird just flew into this window right now? I would just go home. <laughs> Bye, we're done here. Bye. So, of course, the most malevolent ghost from the film was Bathsheba. She is the most controversial amongst believers and skeptics because there's a lot of different information about her. Um, She is a real person, first off. According to the story, Bathsheba lived in the farmhouse. She was born approximately 1812 in Rhode Island, and she married Judd Sherman in 1844. What kind of name is Bathsheba? Like, do we know, like, what ethnicity she is, or... Uh, Let me look. Okay, so Bathsheba is biblical. Um, Probably some of y'all knew that and were, like, yelling it. She 
was the one that uh, King David from King David's army, he basically has an affair with her and impregnates her and puts her husband out in the front lines of his army and he gets killed. Oh, that's um, a sad story. Because he basically wanted to boink Bathsheba. So, anyway. Boink? boink. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe you just said boink. Oh, I, I say that sometimes. Your poor kids. You have to talk with them. Like, you're going to want to boink a girl when you get older. So. I am not going to talk like that. <laughs> I'm going to say coitus. Oh, God. I'm very Sheldon in that way. So she was born approximately 1812 in Rhode Island. She married Judd Sherman in 1844. Many believe that they did have a total of four children, but the census records only show one. That's sad this, for the other three. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's not uncommon for the time. I so, know, but it's still like they didn't exist and they did have lives. But so. you're right, but the census records only come out every 10 years. So if the child, if they take a census and then you have a child the next year and it doesn't make it to age 9 or 10 by the time the next census comes out, that child's just not a part of your household. Like they didn't exist? That's so sad. I mean, I get it, but yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's just going to be like I mean, if they if they documented it in some other ways, but they didn't. If it's not in the census, the census infant mortality rate would have been higher back then. So we just think they didn't survive until the census. But like you're looking up our family ancestry, and like that means that there could be quite a few people in our lineage that just aren't documented. You're right. That's that's not. I mean, yeah, that's not uncommon. Um, Weird. Because you would be related to them as, like, some sort of ancestor, but none of them are going to be, like, your direct blood ancestor if they died in infancy anyway. Okay. I mean, it's not like your great-grandma can have been an infant. You know what I'm saying? Because they wouldn't be directly related to you. They would have died too young. Yeah, 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 I got you. So it would have been more of, like, the great-great-aunt type side. Less direct. So Still want to know them? I know. I'm not saying they're unimportant. I'm just saying that I, th- I think you're thinking more of it then, okay, now I just sound like a horrible person. I'm just going to keep talking. I don't have a grandma. She's not documented. I came from nowhere. Uh, But unofficial records show that they had a daughter named Julia, born in 1845, Edward in 1847, George in 1853, and Herbert whom is the one that's in the records, was born in 1849. <laughs> they all got basic-ass names, and he gets Herbert. <laughs> Herbert, yep. Um, so the Shermans were always the subject of local gossip. Many claimed that Bathsheba was a witch. One day, she was caring for an infant that died of mysterious causes. After an autopsy, it was reported that the baby died from a large needle to the base of the skull. What? Yeah. So many people believe that she was sacrificing the baby to the devil. Um, This death really only confirmed their suspicions about Bathsheba. This was, to them, this was evidence to convict her. In the eyes of the court, that's not enough evidence to convict her. So it's interesting because the 1800s, you think people would be convicted based on that kind of evidence. But I guess we were a little bit past the 1600s where, you know, the Salem Woods trials happen. I guess we maybe learned a little bit from that. A, a little bit from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the gossiping, of course, did not stop, even though she was exonerated. That really didn't mean anything to people except that she just got away with it. Now, uh, I don't want to be like discriminatory. Yeah, I can't even say the word. Discriminatory. Discriminatory. You know, I'm bad with words. Um, but what, what did she look like? Like, did she look like a witch? <laughs> I know that sounds horrible. No. She uh, she looked like actually a pretty normal woman. 
you can look up a picture of her, but look up the real Bathsheba because if the Bathsheba from The Conjuring comes up, you're going to say, Ashley, you lied to me because this woman looks like a demon woman. Bathsheba from the movie is really scary. Bathsheba in real life looks like a normal woman. Oh, yeah. She, she did. Well, hold on. I, that can't be right. When when was Bathsheba around? What year? Uh, born in 1812. Okay, no, this girl is definitely look, wearing a leather jacket. Oh, <laughs> Not like her. it's like an old looking photo, but they did have those cute um, wraparound leather jackets there. Yeah, she, she she's cute. Yeah, she she doesn't look witchy. I mean, yeah. Again, I feel weird for saying that because nope, you can't say anyone looks witchy. <laughs> Witches don't look witchy. Yeah, I mean, I think we think they do because we watch like Hocus Pocus and we're like, nah, she a witch, but <laughs> nah, they she don't. A witch. They don't all have warts on their noses and long fingernails. Come um, So even though she was exonerated, she was still shunned by the community. Her husband passed away in 1881. She passed away in 1885. Unlike the movie, she did not hang herself in a tree in front of the property to haunt it forever. She died from what they say is mysterious paralysis, I think is what the autopsy said. But what the town folk said was she literally turned to stone. Well, when you become paralyzed, you do kind of stop moving what likely happened is there she had a stroke which caused her to become paralyzed and maybe made her seem like stone so she she was alone you said her husband passed four years before her Mm -hmm. you think she just slowly went paralyzed by herself like not slowly she had a stroke well still just being alone and realizing you have no motor function and you're just still in your head yeah no, no, it seems like you're trapped at oh that point. God. It's a horrible feeling. I bet Jeffrey really fucked with her. Joffrey. Joffrey. No offense to the Jeffreys out there. But the Joffreys. I'm sure you're good, bros. So today she's buried in the Harrisville c- uh, Cemetery. Now, playing fact or fiction here, no one can seem to agree if she actually lived in the farmhouse or on neighboring land. Of course, Maybe that neighboring land could have been a part of the property at the time. Um, but she was believed to be an Arnold. Remember, it's part of the old Arnold estate, um, which is why she would have been able to live in the farmhouse. But this is heavily disputed. So even if it was neighboring land, maybe it was a part of the original plot. I don't know. She's still a big part of the stories people tell today. She's a part of the movie. So, of course, we're talking about it. She was a real person where she lived exactly Hard to say. So it was told that the ghost, that it was her ghost that was the one that was torturing Carolyn Perrin. Often Carolyn felt piercing pain on her body. She even saw an apparition of what she later believed to be Bathsheba in her bedroom. Um, this is a scene in the movie, although they took a little creative licensing. Um, but according to Carolyn, the apparition did tell her, get out, get out. I'll drive you with the with death and gloom. Oh my God, I would be out the door. <laughs> Got it. Got it, girl. I'm out. You don't need to tell me twice. Carolyn did a lot of the research after the strange occurrences in the home and found this information about Bathsheba. Carolyn was sort of an amateur historian. She loved history, so she went into hardcore research mode on the property. She attributed the stabbing feelings to be needles, like the one that was used on the baby. I think that um, this is that, that's basically what I believe she did to make the Bathsheba connection, that because that happened, it must be Bathsheba. A lot of different women had lived on this property. She knew it was a female, sort of female alpha spirit who believed they had, that the property was their property. She's the woman of the property, um, and she believed it to be Bathsheba. For some reason, alpha spirit really creeps me out. I don't like that term. Sorry. Just, 
Sounds like an extra. Just kind of made it up. Extra mean spirit, the alpha spirit. Yes. So after some time of living on the property, all the daughters and Roger claim that Carolyn was deteriorating. She believed her energy, the energy of the home was being absorbed in her. So the girls started to experience a lot of unpleasant things as well. Uh, Andrea and her sisters would come in her room at night weeping about voices they could hear in the home. Cindy told her a voice said, there are seven dead soldiers in the walls, which truly frightened her. Um, And like I said, Roger Perrin was not always physically at the property when a lot of these things happen. He did travel a lot. Uh, He just also wasn't a big believer, but he did say he could see his wife deteriorating. That's just sad. Yeah. So I don't know if he chalked it up to it was these things. Either way, something was going on with her mentally, physically, spiritually, all of it. Uh, So a family friend had attended one of the lectures of Ed and Lorraine Warren. That is how they, they did a lot of circulating and educating and being guest lecturers and stuff like that in colleges. So their friend went to go visit or go see Ed and Lorraine at a lecture and then called them to visit the parent home after she knew her friend was being haunted and that they were in kind of dire need. So Lorraine Warren interviewed stating she felt the home was off immediately upon entry. After a few visits and Carolyn becoming more desperate, the Warrens decided to perform a seance. In the movie, they show an exorcism in the basement, but this did not actually happen. Ed Warren never exorcised anyone because he isn't a priest and he wouldn't be able to exorcise anything according to their Catholic beliefs. Oh, I did, weren't exorcisms a huge part of the movie? Uh, it was a part of the movie. Um, yes, but in the movie, they do even explain that um, only a priest can perform an exorcism, that people, regular people, can't perform exorcisms in real life. Well, actually, I'm, I'm just about to talk about it, so let me just go with what I'm going to say anyway. Um, in their belief system, if Ed did try to perform an exorcism, it would make things much worse because he's not a priest. So he might just be, like, further messing with something without the ability to actually, like, banish it from the body. So... It's like uh, putting someone with no culinary skills in the kitchen. Yeah. Making it or worse. Some, yeah, someone <laughs> who makes lean cuisines and then telling them to go whip up some homemade pasta or something. Yeah. So according to the family, though, Lorraine was the one that actually made things much worse. So instead of the basement, the seance happened in the dining room of their home. The girls were not allowed in, but as kids do, at least two of them hid and watched. Andra, the oldest, was one of them that watched. She says in her book, House of Darkness, House of Light... That Lorraine Warren inadvertently opened a door, like a portal they could not close. Stupid bitch. (laughs) R.I.P. Lorraine. Oh, R.I.P. Sorry. She invited in something that took over Carolyn's body. She claims the scene was much scarier in real life than the movie. She said her mother started speaking in tongues. The chair did levitate and was thrown like it was in the movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is a really scary part of the movie. Those poor kids. You can never unsee that. Exactly. That's why I wish people would just think about that. You can't unsee things. So you really need to think about things you want to spy on. Yeah. Because once you see it, that's not leaving your head. No. And like, even if you leave the house, there's no more demons in your life ever again. You're probably not going to look at your mom the same. You're probably going to think at any moment some demon could take over and I'll have to see that again. 
Or next time she yells at you, like, oh, you're just possessed again. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I Constantly think. pooping your pants. Yes. Just, just where it depends around your mom going forward. So according to Andrea, her dad punched Ed Warren in the face and told him to get out. The parents, unfortunately, were unable to move out of the house, though. The economy of the time was terrible, and the property value was deteriorating every day. And it wasn't until about 1980 that they were able to sell the property and then they hightailed it to Georgia and purchased another farm. How many years ago, or did they stay from... It was about 10 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That sucks to be trapped there. Did they report anything else? Spooky? I'm sure they did. You can read um, the book, House of Darkness, House of Light, to hear everything Andrea has to say. I you will say... You think I'm going to read that book, Ashley? Well, and I think the problem with that book is there's been a few discrepancies and a lot of criticism towards it. She has had to make a few retractions. So it, it's really hard to... And I'm not even... I'm not calling Andrea Perrin a liar or anything, but you're also trying to remember back to when you were a kid and you're, you're also going based on things like people told you and and stuff like that. So I think that's that's really challenging to write a book off that experience. Yeah, that's a huge experience. And as a kid, I mean, I have false memories, like things I had a dream of when I was a kid that I think happened in real life. Like Sometimes I have very vivid dreams that it's hard to distinguish between real life and a dream. Yeah, those are so weird. I've had, I still have those too, not just from childhood, but yeah. like a conversation I had with coworkers and someone just says like a different sentence. And that's it. But then I'm like, okay, so did they do that or did they not do that? Yeah. No, that happens all the time where I think I told Casey something and then I'm like, wait, did I dream? Did I actually, hey, did we have this conversation yesterday? He's like, no. Like, that's weird. Okay, I had this dream that we talked. And it's nothing weird happened in the dream, so it seemed like it did happen. Yeah, just those dreams are so odd. It's, oh, I hate it. Yeah. So according to the daughters, their parents were so affected by the experience at Rhode Island that they continuously fought. It wasn't long after they moved to Georgia that Carolyn and Roger did divorce. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. I I didn't know that. I don't know why that just just reminded me of the hot chick. That's like a so sad. <laughs> that's how I heard that. <laughs> ling ling, you forgot your bling bling. That movie is so good. You think you're so cool because you can pee with your penis. All right, I'll stop. Okay. It's me, Jessica. <laughs> is that you stuffing? Oh, my God. You can't make me laugh. I've got, I probably could tell by now that I've had a cold, and so I'm like, if I laugh, my chest rattles, and then I go into a coughing fit. So I'm trying to conserve my voice. I'll uh, try to tame my hilarious sense of humor over here. So sorry. Okay. So, sometimes it's things that you have no control over. Sometimes I'm laughing at you, not with you. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, The parents sold the house to the Schwartz family in 1980. The Schwartz family then sold it to Norma Sutcliffe in 1987, who remained on the property until 2019. After the movie came out, which was before 2019, she was the one living in the property when the movie came out, which I believe was 2013. Ooh, I bet her life sucked. Yes. She was very angry at the studio, at the producers, and at the Perrin family because her home received so much attention. What's interesting is that Norma claims that the home is not haunted, but also said, yes, she did also hear voices, and she would see a blue light that darts through the home, but never thought that they were ghosts. I wonder what the blue light would mean. I don't know what the blue light... I, I mean, I guess spirits sometimes come in orbs. Or that, I'm sorry. I say that. I've never seen it, but people say that spirits, you know, in pictures and stuff, they show yeah. up in orbs. But blue? 
Well, what about the voices? What did you think that was? Yeah. This lady. That should be questioned a little bit. I mean, she's probably a non-believer and like, yeah, sometimes yeah, I, I hear so voices, but you know, it could just be me. I'm just crazy. It's fine. It's not a ghost. Maybe she has a, a relationship with Joffrey. Maybe she has a ghost boyfriend, so she's trying to protect him. Oh, trying to protect Joffrey. Yeah, she's crazy. Um, in 2019, she sold the home to paranormal investigators Corey and Jen Heinzen for four hundred thousand uh, dollars. Well, around four thousand four hundred thousand uh, dollars. They started their business and opened up the home to the public. I did think that was interesting, though. I wonder if she knew that was their intention because if she didn't believe in those things, it's interesting that you'd sell it to paranormal investigators. Yeah, and she seemed like if you're so mad that it drew so much attention, seems like she would be spiteful. Like I'm not going to give this to you because I know you want want it. Right. But and I don't know how Rhode Island real estate works. I mean, it's pretty hard to know what somebody's going to do with the property. I mean, you can always ask, and then. But once it's theirs, it's theirs. They don't go through you to, yeah, for it. But anyway, like Ashley's old house, um, repainted everything, redid the floors, put so much money into it all, and right when the guy bought it, just ripped out all the floors immediately. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what happened. And it's fine. I have I don't begrudge him for that. I mean, it's his house now. It is just one of those like. Dang, had I money and effort would I've gotten the same amount of money had I not done those things or you know it just makes you think could I have saved money by not doing it but whatever we did it I think it showcased the house in its best light and it sold for over asking with multiple offers so that's fine and it comes with a ghost maybe might come with a ghost it was always friendly even if it was a ghost so they sold, then the Heinzens sold the house in May 2022, so not that long ago, for over $1.5 million to Jacqueline Nunez, also a paranormal investigator. The home did have multiple offers and was sold on Zillow as the Conjuring House. I wonder uh, if all these paranormal investigators pull their information together. Like, yeah, they're, they're just, like, selling it to each other. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sure that they do because she she continues on with the business, um, building on what the Heinzes did. You can visit today or check out their website at theconjuringhouse.com. Um, to end the Warrens part of the story, Ed and Lorraine are both now passed away. Lorraine more recently passed away April 2019. Their daughter and son-in-law, Tony, now continue to run what's left of the Warrens business. The museum housing the paranormal and haunted objects was shut down due to the popularity of the movie. So it, it was in the, I believe, in the basement of their private residence. Now, we call it a museum. I don't think it was really open to the public, though. I think it was really housing certain artifacts from their investigations. Um, we do know the Annabelle doll is actually there being protected behind glass, and a priest comes, I want to say, monthly oh, wow. um, to pray over it. <laughs> what a weird thing. Like, tells his wife, like, I'm going to go pray over the doll. I'll be right back. Yeah. I mean, if they believe it to be an evil spirit, then they're trying to keep it at bay. Yeah, and I, I would understand it not being a museum open to the public, but I'm sure they did bring people there to they to like look and learn yes. if they were going through something similar. Yes, they did show it sometimes to people, but it wasn't like something you buy tickets and go in and out of, I don't think. I don't know if I would step foot in that room. I'm yeah. not sure. It's just like too many things with darkness attached to it. Yeah. Like, even if my shirt brushed against it, I'd probably like take it off and burn it. So uh, a lot of people showed up to their private residence, creating a zoning issue. So that had to be shut down. 
So Tony is a paranormal investigator, while Judy actually isn't. Judy, the daughter of the Warrens, is not a fan of the supernatural. She is, however, artistic. She is a jewelry maker with an animal charity. Oh, cool. And she does support the work of her parents and her husband. So, fun facts about The Conjuring movie. Uh, The Perrin family did visit the film set, all except Carolyn. So, Roger and the five daughters did. Um, She, Carolyn, got cold feet because she did not want to relive the experience. But what was kind of weird is that a cold wind that didn't move the trees, it was just something everybody felt, swept through the set, sending a chill down the spines of the Perrin girls. Oh, I've got chills. At the same time, Carolyn, I believe she broke her hip. Oh, Um, gosh. At the same time, she was uh, pretty injured. So people kind of felt like they were still, uh, the family still felt like they were being haunted. Yeah, they obviously wanted Carolyn to get the F out. We didn't like you the first time. Yeah. Uh, Lorraine Warren and Andrea Perrin were both um, consultants for the film. So that's where they did get a lot of the like true things that happened, which is always appreciated when they talk to the real people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like, if you're going to make a movie based on a true story, then it needs to be as true as possible and out of respect for who it actually happened to. Yeah. So, Andrea did not believe the evil spirit, though, to be Bathsheba. Carolyn is the one that said that. Lorraine Warren really touted to everybody that Bathsheba was this witch and evil spirit. Um, I think she kind of went around and took a lot of credit for that, that she was the one that came up to that theory, but it was actually Carolyn Mm. Perrin. But Andrea, the oldest daughter, didn't believe it to be Bathsheba. She thought it was Mrs. Arnold, um, who was 93, and she had hung herself in the barn. Is that the one who smelled of roses? Well, not if she thinks that she was the one that was haunting Carolyn. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. The Conjuring working title was The Warren Files. The Warren Films? The Warren Files. uh, Because they're all about, all three of them so far are all about the Warrens and different cases that they um, investigated. Well, Conjuring is definitely much more creative than the Warren Files. Yeah. Um, The movie is rated R solely for the scare factor. There is no sex, nudity, drugs, or alcohol, and very little profanity in the film. The filmmakers did not intend this. James Wan thought it was going to be PG-13, and he actually appealed to the, the MPAA, to rethink their decision, um, but they said it, it was simply too scary. They would have to remove scenes to make it PG-13, and James Wan did not want to take out any scenes. It, it would just mess up his story, so it that's stays pretty, rated R. That's pretty cool. I've never heard of or noticed that a movie being rated R just for the scare factor. Yeah. Um, does that happen a lot? Is Paranormal Activity rated R? That's a good well, question. I, I don't. think they curse and stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's interesting, though, and I'm glad they didn't cut out any scenes. Not that I watched the whole movie sitting through, but... Um, Patrick Wilson, who plays Ed Warren, and Vera, I know I'm going to botch her last name. I'm going to say Farmiga. Um, She is Ukrainian, and she speaks Ukrainian. So I'm really sorry, Vera, for botching your last name. I love both of them. They're so good. They are really good, and they're a really good pairing. Um, She's the one that plays Lorraine Warren. They both went to go visit the Warrens before filming. They wanted to get to know them as a couple so they could properly play them as a couple. Um, The location of the movie was on Black River in Pender County, North Carolina. The real Lorraine Warren has a very small cameo in the movie. While Ed and Lorraine are teaching a seminar, she is actually sitting in the front row. Oh, that's 
cool. This was also the first film that James Wan, who did the Saw movies, did not feature Billy the Puppet, the puppet that's always on the little tricycle. Do you want to play a game? Yes. So this is that was his signature mark. He would always have Billy the Puppet somewhere in one of his movies. Um, what other movies did he do besides Saw? The Insidious films. Oh. Um, in the Insidious movies... That's also I, Patrick Wilson and uh huh yeah okay I not I've, Vera though I've merged all the Conjuring movies and the Insidious movies together in my head because I've seen parts of all of them yeah I I do remember from Insidious when Patrick Wilson is staying late in his classroom one night Billy is drawn on the whiteboard behind him oh cool so it was always stuff like that very cool I also didn't know the same guy who did Saw did these movies mm hmm he's, he's, uh, he's He'd be cool to have cocktails very t- with. Very talented. I know. I'm such a fan. So him and like Ryan Murphy. Yes. Like, please tell me what's in that. Just head tell of me yours. exactly. Let me let me crack that head did open. You, I need to see. Did you have dreams about this? Are you just that creative? <laughs> um, and kind of my last fun fact here: the actor that played the lipstick demon in the Insidious films, the one that had the red face, the um, lipstick demon. Yeah, is the same actor that plays Bathsheba in the movie. Well, that's cool. I don't remember the lipstick demon. It sounds like me after I've had too many drinks on a Saturday night, though. (laughs) No, uh, the lipstick demon is very distinct, like hot red face with um, like black hair. He's got hooves, hooves for feet. He's got like very long. Yeah, he. It's like a Marilyn Manson demon. I think it's just the hot red that why they call him the lipstick demon okay are you looking up a picture i'm trying to yeah oh no (laughs) ew he's got oh let me see just those eyes white eyes and teeth oh yeah oh yeah right there where he's behind patrick wilson in the first insidious film i don't think i saw that yeah he's a very sinister character Uh, you didn't see insidious i'm pretty sure i did i don't remember this face though Oh, he's like the main bad guy that's trying to take over the son's body. Oh, well. I know what we're watching later. Uh, no, ma'am. No. All right, so that's it for The Conjuring House. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I hope you keep listening. And um, go catch us on the gram at haunted.real.estate or email and or Email us your weird, spooky, whatever real estate story at hauntedrepod at gmail.com. And I think that's it. Anything else? No, you did a great job. I'm I'm terrified for life. So um, thank you for that. And uh, oh, wait, Patreon. We oh, did. Yes. We did start our Patreon. Where can people patronize us? Yes. So we're, <laughs> we're super new to it. Um, we just launched it. Uh, still learning about it. I'm not even sure if we're you know big enough to have one or if we're even doing it right. So <laughs> check it out. Also, if you have help us. if you have tips, please help us. But 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 email them to us. Yeah, at hauntedrepod at gmail dot com. Have a great day. Have a lovely day. Bye bye.